Okay, so as we engage in this uh, topic and in this series, um, all of the rhythms that define us, uh, they, uh, they, they, they do three things, all of them, uh, when it comes to following Jesus and what he calls and asks us to do. Uh, the first thing they do is they, they connect us to God. All right, so, so anything that he's gonna ask us to do is gonna draw us closer to him. The second thing it's going to do is connect us to our calling or our purpose. Okay, so whatever he's gonna call us to do, uh, it is also going to help you understand and know how he's designed, wired, created, and gifted you, right? And what he's called you and gifted you for. And then third, what it does is it connects you into community, Okay, so the three things, it's going to connect you to God, it's going to connect you to your purpose, your calling, and then third, it's going to connect you into community uh, because, you, you guys, uh, that's literally what you see all throughout Scripture is that your journey with Jesus is not meant to be a solo trip, right? It's to be done and it's meant to be practiced within the framework of uh, community, Okay? And, and what I also want to just speak to is uh, these things that we're going through each week, they don't cross-cancel each other, right? So, um, I, I, you know, I can't say, oh, I read my Bible, so I don't need to pray, right? Um, or, you know, I pray to God, so I don't really, you know, I don't need to go to church, okay? So I already talked to God, I have my time, you know, and, and so sometimes we will take commands that he's asked us uh, to, to engage in, and we'll, and we'll kind of be like, okay, so I do that, so I don't need to do that, and, and we kind of select the things that we kind of want to do. And you guys, what this points to to me is a disconnect in our understanding as Jesus followers of the first and greatest command. Okay, in Deuteronomy 6.5, it tells us, and then Jesus reiterates it, uh, in his ministry when this uh, Pharisee, who's a religious leader and he's also a lawyer, he approaches Jesus. They've been struggling trying to stump him with questions. And, and he essentially is trying to trap Jesus and, and he's asking him, what's the greatest command? And what does Jesus respond with? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, right? That's what he says in Matthew 22. And what he's doing there is he's reiterating what we first read in Deuteronomy 6.5. And, and so, you guys, what I want to do first and foremost as we engage in these rhythms that he's called us into is you have to first and foremost address your motive and, 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 and understand that, that the call on your life is, is first and foremost to just love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he invites you into. He says, I'm inviting you to love me with all that you are, okay? And, and so in other words, above any other love, above any other commitment that I have in my life is my love and commitment towards him. And so this means I prioritize that relationship, right? I prioritize my relationship and my love for him above all else. Now, why am I saying that? Why am I getting down to the core there and just getting down to the, just, just the, the initial, the, the purity of the calling on your life? It's because we take a calling like that 
And, and then through our, our flesh and our desire to perform well, what we've done with these spiritual rhythms is essentially talk about them in a way that leads us to just think it's behavior modification, right? If I just do this, that will happen. I should just do that because, well, that's what Christians do and they've been doing it for a long time, so I just do it. And it's this, uh, it's just a, a part of my life. That's why I read my Bible. It's why I pray. It's why I go to church. And, and, and so what you need to understand uh, and know that that is not the point and the purpose of what Jesus has called you into, right? He's called you to reciprocate the love that he loves you with. So my calling is not to, to, to outperform anybody else. My calling is to simply love him with all that I am. And so the characteristics that make any relationship special, and some of you have very special relationships, some of you are in love, right? And you think about what makes that relationship so special, right? Uh, you think about the exclusivity, Okay, if you're married to someone, there's this exclusivity that is so special uh, about it, right? That, that they've chosen you and nobody else. Um, the, 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 there's intimacy, right, in, in our deepest of relationships. And, and so when we think about the, the characteristics that make a, a beautiful relationship, those are the very things that should be present in our relationship with God, right? If it's true that we love him, above all else. See, the danger in this conversation, you guys, is that we take what we're saying today and we turn it into a to-do list and we lose sight of the purpose. And that's what I'm so passionate about because I, I've come away from so many teachings and sermons like, like with like a laundry list of to-dos. And that's not the heart, right? Um, like uh, what, what defines... Uh, a, a loving relationship is not um, by, by you performing in all of these various ways. No, it's, 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 it's you like declaring first and foremost, I love you and it's because of this love that I do these things, right? I, I, I think sometimes we get it uh, backwards. And, and also what happens is as we make this a to-do list is we just lose sight of the purpose or... We start thinking that if I just replicate someone else's rhythms, uh, and, and then I'm going to have their relationship with God. Okay, so, so if I just replicate, I, I know that, that they have their quiet time with the Lord uh, at, at 4.30 a.m., so I am going to set my alarm for 4.15, because I'm going to be more spiritual, and I'm going to get up and have that time with the Lord, and I'm going to get the same results that I think they have, right? Uh, this person, they, they do this every other day this much, so I'm going to do that uh, at the same frequency as them so that I can have the same results, right? And so that is one of the, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this, that is one of the main thieves of the purity in your relationship with God, is comparison, it's looking at other people and, 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 and going, if I just do that, or if I just do it this way, then I'm going to have this finished product in my relationship with God, and I'm going to sound, and I'm going to look exactly like them. You guys, that is crazy. Like, it, it is. And I want to relieve that weight that some of you have. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I don't get up here and, like, ever talk about my, my rhythms, to be honest. 
is, is I just think it's ridiculous. Like if I got up here and, and I started telling you, okay, well, um, you know, so when we were going through the book of Revelation, you know, and, and that, yeah, I study like, you know, 20, 25 hours a week, you know, that's kind of like uh, what, what I do. And you're sitting there going, okay, yeah, I need to study 20, 25 hours a week. Okay, like that's what I need to do. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, th- think about this for a second. That's my job. <laughs> Like, that's my job. Like, you want me to spend that much time in Revelation, right? And, and, and sometimes we can hear, like, and pastors, sometimes we can be the worst. So I'm just throwing myself out there. Like, we can be the worst at, at going, well, this is, this is how much time I spend with the Lord. And I've sat there and gone, well, I hope you are. Like, I hope so, Right? And what happens is we elevate these people that because they're, you know, and, and like, you should not elevate me at all. Like, you should expect that of me, okay? But, we, but what we do is we take this and we go, okay, well, then I need to do that. And it's like, and good luck with that, right? Like, you have a full-time job, you have a family, and then on the side, you're gonna do 20 hours of revelation each week? Have fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, but guys, that's kind of an extreme example, but I see this and I hear it all the time. And that is why I, I, I try not to talk about my rhythms. I don't highlight, hey, guess how many books I read this month? Yeah. Like, no, that's just not even like comparable and it shouldn't be. God wants an individual, special, unique, and exclusive relationship with you. And the rhythms and how he's going to call you to engage with that, you guys, are going to be unique to you. Now, are there all things that he's asking all of us to do? Yes. But how it's practiced, what makes it special, is how he's going to connect individually and independently with you. That's where the special, that's, that's what really uh, happens. And so, you guys, uh, I think we need to be careful because we are in this day and age where everything is uh, comparison. And what comparison essentially starts to do in a relationship with God is cause me to think that he's going to be more impressed with me or love me more if I do that. He will not love you more. His love is constant for you. Okay? He, he, so, so that's not a thing. Our job, our role, is to just reciprocate the love that he loves us with. And you guys, you cannot do that without a growing prayer life. And that's what we're talking about today. You guys, prayer is an essential rhythm as a Jesus follower. Uh, it, it, we, see, we see prayer being talked about, being preached in, in a variety of ways, in places, in religions, right? If it's Islam, it's five times, Judaism, three times. Uh, in Christianity, we see all kinds of teachings, all kinds of things uh, said. And, and there's a lot of interesting research that is out there when it comes to prayer. In fact, the Pew Research uh, team, they did uh, phenomenal research on, in 2015 and then the Barna Group in 2017 also conducted uh, a really interesting survey. And, and this is kind of some of the things that came out that were really interesting. Is uh, As far as um, American adults, 55% uh, claim that they pray in some way to someone every day. So, so over half of everybody walking around that's an adult in our country, they're saying, I pray daily to something. 
I acknowledge there's something there, something I need, something that needs to happen, and it's bigger than me. The other thing that's really, really interesting is uh, 79% of American adults, and this is 2017, uh, 79% of American adults prayed at least once uh, in the past three months, and 2% of those praying adults, they they prayed collectively within a church. Only 2% of those. And then only 2% um, of of those audibly prayed with another person or group. So only 2% of that 79% prayed audibly, audibly means you could hear them, uh, with someone else, right? Some of you are like, I already prayed, you just didn't hear it, you know? Um, And then what's really fascinating is 82% say they pray silently by themselves. So no one can hear Only 13% of those are audible. So 82% of those, uh, and I would say that carries over even into uh, the church, really. Uh, 82% are are saying, man, I just pray silently by myself. And and it kind of leads us to this interesting space when we engage with prayer, where we see that we're coming at it from a variety of spaces, and a variety of understandings, and our expectations of it are also very unique. These are some of the things that we've been told. Uh, We've been told, you need to just pray about it. We've been told, you need to pray more. Uh, We've been told, you're praying wrong. Uh, In fact, that argument broke out over dinner at my house uh, a week ago. Uh, you know, my, my youngest uh, is interesting, and he was praying and for dinner, and, and he noticed that my middle child, who's like me, because uh, I'm a middle child, had his eyes open. So he stops his prayer to correct him. And, um, and an argument breaks out. Now, as a parent, it's really interesting in these moments how you respond, right? Sometimes you're like, I need to shut this down. Other times, I just go, let's see how this plays out. And that's kind of what I did. That's the approach I took. And, and, and so ultimately, my middle child, he's a middle child, shot back, you can pray with your eyes open. And then I was like, okay, they're starting to, like, he's, he's, he's in the posture, like, let's throw, let's throw down, you know? And, uh, and, and, and it was just so interesting, how, the perception of, 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 of what is right and what is wrong and what is okay, right? Um, and, 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 and like, We've been told, for some of us, God, God doesn't care. God doesn't care. We've been told it does nothing. And for some of you, you felt that way. We've been told, hey, just, just try to do it. If it's not a regular rhythm in your life, no big deal. But you guys, when we think about the initial command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you guys... This needs to be a big deal. And what we've seen, you guys, is it's this optional, sporadic thing that we view as just that last line of defense. If all else fails, okay, God, I'm going to pray. And so what is prayer? Prayer is conversing with God. Prayer is speaking and listening to God. That's what it is at its core. And you guys, what you need to understand and know that prayer is not only so important and essential because he says do it, but Jesus did it himself. 
Like Jesus modeled this. And not only uh, did he model it, you guys, but he modeled it at the most important moments. Okay, so, so when we just think about the moments that, that we see Jesus going into prayer uh, before his public ministry started, uh, what did he do? He went out into the desert for 40 days to fast and pray to God, to spend time with God. Like, like that's what he did right before he goes into his public ministry. Uh, in Luke chapter six, verse 12, uh, we see uh, where it says, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. You guys, he did that right before he was selecting his 12. And in John eleven forty one and 42, before he's going to call Lazarus out from the dead, out of the tomb and resurrect him, it's so interesting. He, he goes into this prayer and he says his prayer loudly and he literally says, I'm praying this way so that they can hear me talking to you. Right, like so, he's like, I want them to know. I want them to hear that I'm praying. Uh, we see the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, which is incredible, where he's interceding on behalf of all of the individuals who are going to take the gospel message to the ends of uh, the earth. We see him in the garden, sweating drops of blood before the Father, going to the Father and crying out to Him before He goes to the cross. And then, even on the cross, we have the cries from the cross, don't we? And so, so what was Jesus doing? You guys, what we see him showing us is, first and foremost, he prayed because he loved the Father. He prayed because he loved the Father. The second uh, thing that, uh, that, that he did when he was uh, praying is not just doing it because he loved the Father, but when he prayed, it was bringing him into alignment with the will of the Father. Prayer is not you bringing God into alignment with you. It's God bringing you into alignment with him. And what we also see is him praying for empowerment. Empowerment. And so he didn't, and he didn't just do it. He also tells us to do it. Or maybe better yet, he invites us into it. You guys, all throughout scripture, the old, the new, you are going to see the, the, the command, the calling, the invitation to pray. And, 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 and it's not, in fact, in the tabernacle, it was to be what? Jesus says, uh, a house of prayer. And all throughout scripture, he's pointing us back to it. And he's not just saying, hey, you should think about it. No, we, we, we get strong language, don't we? Like Romans 12, 12, it says, be, be constant in prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, right? Uh, Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, okay? And, and so this is not this like buffet item uh, in my relationship with Jesus that I go, oh, I'll take some of that. Like, like no, this is something that, that he's saying, if you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with your mind, and all of your strength, you're gonna prioritize your connection, your communication with me. This relationship is not optional. It is everything. And for it to be everything it needs to be, prayer is a vital component. And it's not this switch that you just turn on and you turn off conveniently. 
In fact, in, in Luke chapter 18, to, to literally tell his followers and to, to demonstrate how important prayer was, uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 18, verse one, he, he, he goes into this parable, right? And this parable is essentially a story with practical application for them. And, and he tells them this story about this judge, and he actually highlights the fact that the judge is wicked. Okay, the judge wants nothing to do with God. But, but then he talks about this widow. This widow is pleading with this judge for legal protection. And, and, and so this widow, and, and as Jesus is telling the story, he's like, this widow just keeps coming to this judge. And this judge is wicked. And yet at one point, the judge finally goes, I'm gonna give this widow what she wants because she is just wearing me out. And Jesus uses that parable to tell us how we're to pray to him. You guys, like, he is inviting you to annoy him with prayer. Like, are you hearing that? Like, that story isn't like, oh, that's sweet. Like, no, this judge is like, oh my goodness, I'm just gonna give her what she wants. She just keeps bothering me. And, and, and what Jesus is saying is not if you keep bothering me, I'm just gonna give you what you want, you know? Like some of you are gonna go home and be like, hey, just keep praying for the lotto because like as Steve said, if you just keep praying, it's gonna happen. Um, no, that's not what he's saying. But what he's saying here is, I want you to be persistent. I want you to keep coming. I don't want you to be deterred. I don't, I don't want to delay. I don't want to maybe even a no. I don't want that to stop you from approaching me. I want you to, in your mind, annoy me because you so desperately want me to respond. And I'm inviting that. I'm asking you to approach me in that way. And, and, and so when we see this pray without ceasing, you guys, um, some of us, we read that for as it is, and we don't understand the context, you guys. What he's talking about in context there is it's, it's essentially, it's praying in a way where you're bringing him into your day. It's not compartmentalized. It's not, it's not scheduled, right? Like, like I, I mean, just think how weird it is to go, like God's doing something, he's speaking to you, and you saying, okay, God, that's great. Tomorrow morning at 6.30, when we do our prayer time, let's engage in that. Like, no, it's, it's, it's bringing him in throughout your day. You guys, he doesn't want a piece of your day. He doesn't want your morning. He doesn't just want your evening before you put your head on your pillow. He wants to be a part of your whole day. If he's to be my first and my foremost love, you guys, he's the one that I can't wait to talk to. He's the one I can't wait to hear what they have to say. He's the one who, who I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, this is a big decision. This is a big conversation. Uh, God, I don't know what's gonna happen here. Uh, God, I believe you're, you're, you're leading me to talk to this person. God, I think you're leading me to pray over this person. God, I think you're telling me to go the other direction. Those are all moments that we want to respond to in the moment, right? Like, like, and, and that's bringing him into your day. I pray that when something great happens, you don't throw this party for yourself. I pray that in that moment, you go, God, only you could have done that. God, that's crazy. Only you could have created that interaction. Only you could have made that happen, God. And so thank you. That is this rhythm that he's inviting us into. And like I said, it is not a switch and it is not behavior modification. It is relationally driven. And so you guys, when you start to, to engage with him in that way, you'll be amazed at what he does. Um, I, mean, I mean, I think about, there's, there's times when, 
when he's woken me up in the middle of the night. And when you wake up in the middle of the night, I would actually challenge you. Because I think sometimes, well, first, when you wake up in the middle of the night, your first thought is, are you kidding? Why? You know, and, and you're angry. But I think that God wakes us up a lot because he has something to say. And it's been amazing how many times I've laid there and I'm like, well, don't feel like I'm going back to sleep. Okay, God. Like, but he's like, man, engage with me. And he speaks into what's happening the next day. It gives me things that I didn't know I needed. And guys, that's this posture that he's inviting us into. Bring him into your day. You guys, and, and here's what you also need to understand. This is only possible. This communication is only possible because he made a way for you to come to him. Like, don't, don't miss it. Not only does he say, pray, communicate with me, listen to me, but he says, I, I love you so much. I created a way for you to do that. If he didn't want you to pray, you guys, he wouldn't have made a way. But in Ephesians 2, 13, it, it, it tells us, right? Uh, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we're far off, but through the blood of Jesus, we've been brought near to where we can have this connection. Uh, we can have community. We can, uh, we can have this relationship with uh, the Father. And, and, and that's, not, that's not all he did, right? In, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, this understanding, it transformed my prayer life. Deeply. Because, because what I see here uh, is, is different than what I think our perception is oftentimes when we go to prayer. See, God, God didn't just ask us to pray and invite us into it and says, hey, make this a rhythm. If you love me, uh, he, didn't, he didn't just make a way either. What, what he says now is, um, I want you to be able to approach the throne of grace confidently, knowing already that you're unworthy, knowing already that, that you've got weaknesses, failures, mistakes. And, and guys, I'll tell you what, I'll be the first to say it. Oftentimes when I go to prayer uh, and, and sp to spend time with the Lord, uh, man, there's a lot that I have to ask forgiveness for. And, and, and as I go into that, I'm like, man, God, there it was again. I did that again. I said that again. God, I thought that. Yeah, I told you, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep doing that. And there it is. God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that. And you guys, what's so crazy, how this transformed my prayer life was, I thought by me bringing that to the Lord, it was just creating greater distance between me and the Father. But when I read these words in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it absolutely transformed how I view me bringing my weaknesses, my mistakes and my flaws to the Father. Because what you read there is not this father who you're confessing to and you're owning these mistakes. It's not a father that is like, of course you did that. Well, there it was again. I knew you'd make that mistake. Yep, look at Steve again. There he is in the same spot. That's not at all the picture, is it? It is literally, we have now a high priest, a savior who does what? He 
sympathizes with our weaknesses. What does that mean? That means when I go to him with all my failures, my flaws, my mistakes, he's not, he's not up there laughing at me. He's not up there criticizing me. He's not up there reminding me, well, that's why there's a gap. No, he embraces me and he loves me. And he says, I sympathize with you. Thank you for coming to me with it. What a different posture, isn't it? What a different view. than so many of us think when we pray, and yet it just comes from a misunderstanding. It comes from just not really receiving verses like 1 John 5.14, where, where he literally talks about like, he says, this is the confidence that we can have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he says he hears us. He's listening to us. He's not this distant, disconnected father. He's one who's made a way. He's invited you into his presence. He says, I want you to come confidently. I want you to annoy me with how much you want to talk to me. And I'm even going to receive you and hold you in your times of weaknesses, in your times of failure and mistakes, because I can sympathize with that. You guys... Prayer as a priority in your life is going to come down to two things. And the first is desire, and the second is need. I'm convinced that, that it, it comes down to those two things. See, uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, um, about, oh, about 11, 12 years ago. I, I, I signed up uh, to run um, a marathon, and I hadn't run a marathon before, and a friend of mine convinced me to do it. And, and at that point in time, for my wife and I, our schedules could not have been more busy. Like we look back on our time and I would say that was the most busy we've ever been as a married couple. She had a full-time job. I, I had a full-time job. And, and, and as I was pastoring in that unique environment, I was out almost every night in a different part of San Diego County and in New Mexico. It was an amazing season, but we didn't have any time. In fact, if someone invited or asked us to do anything, we'd just say, hey, we don't have time. But all of a sudden, I'm committing to run a marathon. And, and I remember distinctly walking away, and, and what I did was, was, well, if I'm gonna run it, I'm gonna do my best. I'm committed to do this. And what happened is, all of a sudden, there was time to train. And, 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 and it's actually on one of those ridiculously long runs, because that's what you do if you're going to run a marathon. You wanna, you're like, wow, I'm still running, you know? And, and it was on one of those long runs that I'm sitting there processing, and I'm going, how do I have time to do this? And I was realizing I had prioritized time because of my desire to run this race. And what it taught me is that I'm never going to have time. I'm always gonna have reasons and excuses for not engaging with God. And yet, ultimately, if I really desire it, if I really desire a relationship that he invites me into, that I'm gonna love him above all else with my heart, my soul, my mind, and with all my strength, and I'm gonna prioritize that, you know what that means? That means I will find ways to make time. 
right? That means that I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for times to connect with him. I'm gonna fight for, for moments where I can listen to him, right? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look for the moments uh, that I said weren't there. I'm gonna look for those moments where I get to talk to him, where I get to like tell him and share and praise him and worship him in how I engage uh, with him. Because you guys, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing how if you love someone and you want to be around them, you prioritize them, don't you? You push aside distractions and you look at distractions completely differently. You care about what they have to say. They're the ones you want to share with. And this is what that communication with God is supposed to look like. And so the question we have to answer is, why doesn't it? Why doesn't it? And you guys, I think one of the main reasons it doesn't is because we are very self-reliant, aren't we? We're able to solve most of our problems. And so prayer, I think for a lot of us, has become this just like last resort. It's that last line of defense. And and what this really means for us, you guys, is it means that I believe that I can live the Christian life that I was meant to live and designed to live, that I can live it without prayer that I can live it without him interceding. And, and, and even to the point where for some of us, prayer has become a sign of weakness, right? And so you guys, desire is first and foremost. We gotta ask, do I actually desire it? The second thing is this, I need him in my life. Like I need him in my life. Guys, this is the first time it's rained ever in my life that I've been like so thankful because like, as it's raining, I'm just imagining my allergies disappearing. So this is, this is like, like, I'm having a moment right now where I'm like praising God as I'm preaching to you. Um, first time ever. So I didn't even dress like I knew this was happening. So, um, but you guys, I need him in my life. And, and since I need him in my life, I want to reach out to him. Like, guys, I need to be on the same page with him. That's not like an option to me. Like, like, I don't want to be disconnected from him. Um, I, like, I need him leading me. Like, I need him directing my life, leading me to the decisions I make, the places I move, the jobs that I take, uh, the decisions I'm going to uh, uh, make that, that, that I don't know what the outcomes are going to be. I need him for that. I need him protecting me from what I can't see. You guys, there's so much that is against you. And so you need his help. If you're going to follow Christ, you need his help in protecting you from what you can't see. In Matthew 26, 41, it says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. It says, but the flesh is weak. And so we need his help. I need his help in, in navigating these decisions that, that I'm ill-equipped to handle. I need, I need his help as a pastor. I need him as, as, a, as a father. Oh my goodness, as a father in today's age? I need him. I cannot be the husband I'm called to be without him. And I cannot be a friend to those that need me as a friend without him. I need forgiveness. Like, I need that. When, where does forgiveness come from? It comes from a confession and repentance with me and the father. You guys, I need to be empowered to accomplish what he's called me to do. Whatever he's gonna call you to, it's gonna be bigger than what you could do on your own. 
And so what is prayer doing? Prayer is in, in inviting the power of God into the situation. James 5, 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. Isn't that incredible? And you guys, I, I want you to just, for a minute, just consider this reality. Many of you in this room are the result of prayers that God has answered. Many of you. The fact that I'm up here doing this right now is shocking to me. And yet, I, I go back and I think of the prayers that I know my dad prayed, that my mom prayed in the middle of the night for me over and over and over again when I wanted nothing to do with God. And I'll never forget the phone calls. Hey, did you have a rough night? Yeah, I had a rough night. Well, dad woke up at 2 a.m. was praying for you. And I, I can't even tell you how many times in my life those situations happened. And so many of you have had people that have just prayed over you. People that you don't even know. They just saw you and they're like, God, something's going on there. I pray for them. You guys, prayer, when you talk to the Father, you are inviting the power of God into the situation. And he is more than capable. Guys, we need his help when dealing with the worry, the fear, uh, the anxiety, right? In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he, he, he tells us, right, what to do with that. He says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Come to me with those burdens. And so, so this morning we asked, so how do I pray then? How, what does that look like? Well, Jesus is like, glad you asked. In Matthew 6, 5, which you never thought I would get to, <laughs> ever. It says this, and this is Jesus' words, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What he's saying there is their reward was to be noticed, they received it. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Gentiles are new believers, and they thought by the more words they would say uh, that God loved their prayers more. It says, when you pray, do not heap up these empty phrases, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, so we look at this and, and Jesus is like, I'm going to tell you how to pray. But, but I love what he does first. He says, first, I'm going to tell you how not to pray. Okay? And, and, and listen, this is open-air environment. Like, people are there. <laughs> the people that he's talking about, they're there. Uh, and, and, and so what is he exposing here? You guys, he's exposing the hypocrisy, isn't it? He's exposing the motives. 
right? He's exposing how these religious leaders uh, were presenting their relationship with God and how that wasn't the truth and how they were talking to him uh, was, was under the umbrella of godliness, but yet it was uh, to be seen, to be heard, to be noticed, to be acknowledged. And ultimately they just wanted to impress other people. And he says, what? Don't pray like them. Don't compare yourself to them. As I was thinking about this, I was like, man, who are these people today, right? Who are these people today that they want to be noticed, right? They want people to think a certain way about them. And, and, and I'm like, well, it's kind of a different commerce. It's a different way of doing life anymore. What would this look like, you know? I don't think it would look like me going to the U of O and standing in the middle and just start, you know, praying really loudly for all the students to hear. No, I can tell you what would happen if I did that. Um, (laughs) But honestly, what I see here is social media. I go, where would this take place in our day and age? Social media. And then I got more like, ooh, because I was like, who are these religious leaders anymore? Who are the the leaders spiritually? (laughs) Well, they're pastors. They're pastors, they're Christian leaders. And then I was like, man, who are the most active people on social media? Oh my goodness. And I go, man, we're falling right into this. We are falling right into this. And what he is saying here is he's addressing honesty and authenticity over performance, over image, over likes, over shares, over number of reels, over number of followers. He is saying, I care about your heart, your honesty, your authenticity. He's saying, I, stop. I want you to go into that room. I want you to go into the room. I want you to close the door, get your phone out of there, and I want you to engage with me. And I'm going to reward you in that space. I'm going to meet you in that space. Uh, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis where he said, the prayer preceding all prayers is, may it be the real I who speaks. May it be the real thou that I speak to. You guys, he wants the real you in your prayer life as you communicate, as you listen. Uh, He wants you to bring your frustrations, your disappointments, your anger, your sadness, your confusion, your feelings of uh, hopelessness, of, of distance. He wants you to come as you are to him. And you guys, the more I study the Old Testament, the more I realize that this is the secret sauce that those leaders had. Because when you study these leaders in the Old Testament, you go, wow, they're a mess. In fact, we would cancel them today. We would say they are disqualified for ministry and we would want nothing to do with them, right? I mean, you read through their lives and there's no way you come away just going, wow. Like, no, but but as you read it, you see this posture that they had with the father and you go, man, that is real. That is real. That is different. And so, guys, he, he tells us how to pray. 
right? He, he literally goes into, he says in verse nine, pray like this. He says, our father in heaven. What is he talking about? Man, when you go to the father, have a reverence, have an awe at who he is and that his name is the name above all other names. Worship him. That should go into your praise immediately, right? When you are confronted with a perfect, almighty, all-powerful God who, whose simple invitation to you is love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, you worship and then, and then we, we go into this prayer, right? Like, and, and we acknowledge that, that it's God's will, it's God's plans that are in control and not my own. We're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, yours is greater than my will. Uh, and, and so I'm praying for that. I'm praying for the advancement of your cause in this prayer. I'm, I'm praying for the physical reign of Jesus. And as we're praying this, you guys, when you go down that list, you're also surrendering your will to his. We're asking for, for the wonderful things that are happening in heaven to happen uh, here. We're asking God for the things. Uh, I, I love it. He says, give us our daily bread, right? Um, and, and, and so what he's alluding to here is just like, is this posture of God, just give me what I need. God, just give me what I need. You know what I need. You know what I don't need. God, just give me what I need. And then there's what? There's confession, Right, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, what, two things I love about confession. The first thing I love is what's next, right? Which is, as we've forgiven our debtors. So, in other words, how in the world do you ask for forgiveness from God if you're holding on to offense from someone else? So you gotta forgive first. But then as we ask for that forgiveness, what is so important about that? You guys, we have to confess our sins and repent. Proverbs 15, 29, it, it, it tells us, right? It says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Uh, in other words, you guys, I, and you've heard me say this before, more than likely, one of the worst things, maybe the worst thing about sin is it creates distance between you and God. It creates distance and it distorts your ability to hear and respond to his words. That's why sin is awful. Sin will destroy your ability to engage in prayer. It will destroy the connection uh, that you have with the Lord. And, 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 and so we, 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 confession has to be a part of it. And then there's the request, right? A help, help us overcome the sins that are all around us. Help us overcome the attacks that we know we're going to be attacked with. And, and then I love in Romans 8, 26, because what it addresses there, and I don't have time to go through it all, but what it addresses is this posture where so oftentimes I find myself where I don't even know how to pray. Have you ever been there? Where you're just like, I know I need you. I don't know what to say. And what Romans 8, 26 is so beautiful about doing is... It says the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, if you don't have the words, God's got you. God's got you. And I can't stress this enough. We have to focus on listening. There is no great relationship that you're in right now that, that has poor listening. You would say that the great relationships you have, that is a strength, is listening, isn't it? And so for us, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna say, I wanna have this relationship with God, we have to build undistracted time to be still before the Lord. And, and, and in this undistracted time, we also have to stop rushing him to speak. Okay, God, you got five minutes. I need to know. 
okay, God, you know, I've got like a 30 minute window here, deliver. Like, no, you don't do that. You don't do that in the relationships that you prioritize, that you love. Um, and, and, and guys, I, I get it. Like, not all of us have the same amount of time, right? Like, if you're right here in this room and, and you're a mom with a toddler or an infant, you're just like, impossible, Steve, impossible, right? Because you've got, uh, I mean, you're sleep deprived. Every waking moment, someone is like, you're mine, you know? And, and so, listen, I, I, I hear that. It's much easier said than done. And I think sometimes we walk away feeling just shamed, right? But what I want to encourage you with is asking the question. It's asking the question, what would that look like? And if I need help, who could help me? Who could help me get some of those moments, get some of that time uh, so that I can have it with the Lord? You guys, this is so important. It's so important in the community component. It was vital to the early church. We read over and over again the early church was doing it. They prayed and fasted before they set aside Paul and Barnabas for that first missionary journey. Um, his house was to be a house of prayer. And you guys, prayer also causes us to think and consider about other people, which is so helpful in our self-centered universe, isn't it? We start to pray for others for salvation. We start to pray for even those that are persecuting us because he tells us to pray for them. We start praying for healing for people that are just going through things we can't even imagine. And so prayer brings us into community, doesn't it? And so you guys, here's, here's my main takeaways. James 4, it is clear, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Schedule times, yeah, be, be proactive. Schedule times to be with the Lord, but also be spontaneous. Those are both vital components to any healthy and thriving relationship. This is not a to-do list. And I want to encourage you that with this. As you continue to go back to what does it look like to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, you guys, there's, your seasons of life are going to limit what you can do. Adapt. Adapt to the new seasons that you find yourself in. And as you adapt, wrestle with the question, do I really desire it? And do I really believe that I need it? Do I really approach prayer like it's an essential rhythm for my life? You guys, one of the main causes of a poor relationship, when I look back on all the fights that I've had with my wife, and there's only like two, no, I'm kidding. Um, but when I look back, maybe the single greatest cause of all of them is poor communication. I wonder, as Jesus followers, how many trials, challenges, moments of confusion and distance we found ourselves in just simply because of poor communication. So that's what I want us to pray over as we take communion together and engage with God. Amen. Let's pray.